patients and families are Stoughton Hospital's number one priority. To provide trusted health information to our patients and community, we present Stoughton Hospital Health Talk with Melanie Cole. About 50% of men will have an enlarged prostate by the age of 60, and a condition in which the prostate swells and narrows, blocking the urethra, becomes much more common as men get older. My guest today is Dr. Adam Tierney. He's a urologist seeing patients at the Stoughton Dean Clinic, and here to talk about these benign prostatic hyperplasia is Dr. Tierney. Welcome to the show. So, Dr. Tierney, let's just first talk about BPH. How many men have it? What are the symptoms, and when do you see a doctor about it? Well, I think your statistics were pretty right on. Over age 50, you can find uh, about half of men actually start to have some enlarged prostate, and about half of those men, so about a quarter of the men over age 50, start to have urinary symptoms. Uh, The most common symptoms are early on are probably slightly slowed urinary stream, Uh, taking a little bit longer to get things started when you get to the bathroom, um, and maybe getting up more at night. Um, None of these are absolutely specific just to enlarge prostate, but if any of these things are happening, and especially if they're becoming more bothersome, you should ask your primary care provider first about, uh, about these symptoms and what they could mean. So, Dr. Tierney, is there first sort of a medical first line of defense, a medication that you try for BPH first before any procedures come into play? Actually, why don't we back up a step even before that? If you look at the American Urological Association guidelines, the first step is not even medication. The first step is what's called lifestyle management, and that means some common sense things Limiting, if you're getting up too much at night, limiting how many fluids you drink after 5 or 6 p.m. Um, going to the bathroom before your bladder gets so full that you can't hold it anymore. Um, uh, watching about food irritants, things like caffeine and alcohol can frequently irritate people's urinary tract. So doing some of those common sense things even before moving on to medication is really step one. And if, and if those things don't advice. work, then, yeah, and if those things don't work, then you are on to, you know, kind of step two, which is, you know, talking with your doctor and getting perhaps getting some testing, a prostate exam, maybe even a blood test to screen for prostate cancer. Assuming, you know, urinalysis to make sure there's not a urinary tract infection, assuming the initial checkout by your primary care provider is okay, then there may be medication to to help. So then you've talked to your, your urologist, your primary care provider, you've had the tests, your BPH is not getting better even despite medications. There are some procedures out there, and you do one of them at Stoughton Dean Clinic there, and tell us a little bit about the procedure. Why would somebody do it? Who is a candidate for it, and what's involved? Well, uh, first of all, even just kind of trailing off of what we were talking about before, medications aren't for everybody. Sometimes it's not even that the medication is not helping the person's urinary system. Perhaps there's a side effect from the medicine, or the medicine is too expensive or may interact with another a medication, so we don't we don't always have to have somebody on a medication until they can't take it anymore. Sometimes we will intervene with a surgery or a procedure before you know well before then. But assuming you're you've moved on from medication for whatever reason and you're thinking about having something done, up the usual candidate would be somebody who um, has enlarged prostate as the source of their symptoms, because urinary symptoms can come from a lot of the different things: urinary tract infections or or irritation or previous procedures. So once it's been determined that you have an enlarged prostate, we we start talking about the options. Um, and one of the ones that uh, I've been doing for several years that I like 
is a, it's an endoscopic procedure called uh, green light laser vaporization of the prostate. And what does that involve? It's very similar to a more tra- the, the more traditional or long-standing surgery called a TERP or resection of the prostate. It's similar in that there's no cutting surgery. It's not, you don't open the person up in any way. It's all what's called endoscopic or through a natural urinary channel. Um, so what it involves is uh, you coming to the office first to meet me uh, or your urologist or you know, usually somebody specializes in doing this and having some... Uh, at least uh, usually some testing on the urinary tract. Uh, sometimes that involves looking inside the bladder with a scope or an ultrasound or urinary flow studies. And once we're very sure, 80 to 90% sure that this procedure is for you, then we can go you know, the next step and actually end up scheduling it. So what can someone hope to improve by the surgery and how soon of the procedure, excuse me, how soon after the procedure can they see results? Well, once once the surgery is scheduled, it's done at the hospital under under anesthesia, like a surgery, and it takes anywhere between a half an hour to two hours for the very largest prostates. And oftentimes, there's people are sent home the same day. Many about more than half the time, you go home with a catheter that's removed the following day. But sometimes, as soon as the catheter is removed, people can have an improved urinary stream. Although I caution my patients not to get their hopes too high that there will be an immediate, complete, you know, uh, sky-opening sunshine coming out and everything perfect right afterwards. There's not. There's a healing process that can take anywhere between two to eight weeks uh, afterwards where you have some frequency, urgency, burning with urination, even some blood in the urine. So I want to be realistic with my patients, too, about what to expect right after the surgery. But let's say two, three months after the procedure is done, you can expect that 80 to 90% of patients are going to be um, having improved urinary symptoms, happy they did the procedure and would you know, would would uh, go ahead and do it again. Long term, um, ideally, we expect an 80 to 90 percent of patients five years or even 10 years out to have um, still good results from the surgery and hope not to have to redo it. Although in some patients, it does have to be redone over time. When you say over time, what what do you mean? Ten years down the usually line? Usually five. 15? Yeah, usually five, ten years. Um, it doesn't mean most people will have it done in that time period. It's just a certain percentage. Uh, on average, 10 to 20% of patients would need to have it done. If you flip that around the other way, that means about 80% of patients will have a one-time procedure, possibly as an outpatient, that uh, really helps their urinary problems. And for the vast majority of patients, they don't have to take medications anymore for their prostate. Well, that was my next question. So now they're having more efficient trips to the restroom and their frequency, nighttime voiding and urgency. All of these things are starting. They're starting to really see a difference. Is there a combination between the procedure that you've done, Dr. Tierney, and then a medication course that they would continue on afterward? Sure. Some people, um, men and women both, as they get older, develop a condition called overactive bladder we don't always understand what leads to overactive bladder, but some people who have the surgery will have a, a great improvement in their urinary flow. They'll empty their bladder better. They'll be happy from that regard, but they still have this underlying overactive bladder, and the surgery doesn't always help that. So we'll sometimes use a, a medication that's not a prostate medication, but more of a bladder medicine to help them. And sometimes it's just a temporary thing after surgery, and sometimes it can be a more you know, long-standing thing. But we don't we don't plan on placing people on medicine after their surgery. One of the benefits of doing the procedure is um, 
that people hopefully can have an improvement in their urinary symptoms and, and don't have to keep taking medicines for it. So give us a few tips. We don't have a lot of time left, but some tips to help minimize the symptoms of BPH. You mentioned lifestyle management before. And so speak about even men doing a Kegel exercise or, if you know, give them some sort of lifestyle management things that they can do to help this too. Well, I guess one category would be avoiding irritants, uh, caffeine, alcohol. Some people find spicy food. Um, or citrus foods can inflame them. Everybody's really different. So if you notice that there's a uh, correlation between food, or especially caffeine and alcohol, try to um, minimize that. Smoking can um, increase urgency and frequency. Weight gain. Well, there were some studies to show that people who lost a modest amount of weight, anywhere between 5 to 15% of their body weight can have a significant change in their urinary symptoms, something we don't often talk about. But weight loss can improve urinary symptoms. Um, Good sleep habits, um, not reading <laughs> scary novels or watching TV or, or having a noisy room or things like that. So things that promote good sleep can help people sleep through the night better. Um, and avoiding fluids after dinner, uh, unless you need to take them for, you know, taking pills. That can help nighttime urination. There's, I mean, there's a lot of things that can be done, but those are some of the main ones that can help people before doctor, you know, going on medications. And Dr. Tierney... Please tell the listeners why they should come to Stoughton Dean Clinic for their urinary or urologic care. Well, especially people in the in the area, I think it provides a great uh, environment for patients. It's a very um, caring environment. The nurses, uh, doctors, uh, valet staff, pretty much everybody you meet at Stoughton Hospital is uh, extremely friendly. It's one of the reasons they get rated a, a top-rated rural hospital in Wisconsin. That's great. Thank you so much, Dr. Adam Tierney. You are listening to Stoughton Hospital Health Talk. For more information, you can go to stoughtonhospital.com. That's stoughtonhospital.com. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.